my spidey sense is tingling. Hello. Somebody wrote a parody comic about this man, and they ended up calling it Life. He's Slim, the host of the Paper Cave Podcast, episode 90. Welcome to the show, paperkeg.com, on the cusp of 30,000 Tumblr followers. I can smell it. Uh, we talk about industry news, the books we're reading together as friends, and we do a book club every week. Warren Ellis. Mm. Next wave. And we'll read your letters live to close out the show. Uh, but we have a big, you know, we have a big panel of hosts here. Four people. One alcoholic. Who is it? You decide. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk about one man who has uh, who has the most adorable gray hair I've ever seen on a man. He is a father. He's a family man. He got into trouble last week by singling out a certain group of people. Uh, VP of merch, Dale underscore A, thanks for being here. Who absolutely knew that uh, rattling off and uh, calling them trannies would be a big deal? <laughs> I apologize. It's kind of. We got uh, we got some we got some offline feedback from that, which you know we don't we don't read offline feedback on the air. That's right. So we'll just leave it's it at that, that. Personal and uh, you know. There's another another host on the show who is is known for his fanfic. <laughs> Almost as rare as a Echo Rift comic, his fanfic. Uh, he's, wow. Is he the alcoholic member of the show? Jonesy loves beer. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Actually, at the end of this episode, there will be a vote. Uh, which one of us is the alcoholic and at the end the Joker is the ambassador and then one of us dies that's so relevant to this week's comics <laughs> thank you I thought I could just I had that cup of coffee so I'm on the pinpoint the uh, the final host my personal favorite he's a DC historian he has the badge on his wall at home he is an actor published writer he is sleeping with my lawyer. That's a fact. Uh, he's black. Mark Farrington, thanks for being here. What's the deal? How, ya, how y'all doing tonight? Great. Jonesy is doing some kind of awkward-looking air guitar. Either that or he's seizuring out. <laughs> air ukulele, babe. Peak physical health. that mic. That... Get into that mic, will you? I'm going to slap you in the mouth. <laughs> if you don't put your mouth any closer to that microphone. Uh, you know, the offline feedback I did not see coming about Dale. I would have thought it was referring to the mythical 
fairing like creatures from Jonesy's rant thank last you, week. Thank you, Mark. Mm. Thank you. Could could we call it a rant? I don't know. Yes, we can. We'll call it a, a tirade. You went off on those winged creatures. I was just saying, you know, just because two groups of people share the same name doesn't mean, you know, we should have a merging of sexual boundaries. Man, Jonesy's on PR tonight. Well, <laughs> I had a long discussion with my PR attorney and, you know, uh, I have to be more PC. <laughs> Big show tonight, oh. Warren Ellis. Everyone loves Warren Ellis. You know, until you see him on Instagram posting those weather pictures with text on them. And then you got to follow him and you feel bad because you're not going to see his likes anymore of his sexy ladies. But that's another show. Right. Warren Ellis, Next Wave. Who's the artist on this book, Jonesy? What's the artist's name? No clue. Stuart Immonen. Kidding. The little book called Secret Identity. Maybe you heard of it? I actually thought uh, Immonen was channeling the secret identity in this volume channeling himself very similar yeah if you could channel yourself mm-hmm. he was doing it. we'll get into it later in the show uh but what's happening in the world of Niaz dale well i wanted to tell uh, a little tale of a little known digital exclusive publisher monkey brain comics rom yes that's way better news item uh, Monkey Brain <laughs> Comics, digital exclusive. Whoa. Uh, they are coming to print comics. Boom. They wow. formed a partnership wow. with IDW to print uh, what I'm guessing, I'm hoping, I've, I think I've com- I'm confirming right now, hardcover editions of their collected works, starting what? with Edison Rex in June... Oh my god! Uh, yeah, this is real, folks, and I am. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for my bookshelf. T- you look tickled pink. Right I, now. You're tickled. I'm, I am tickled uh, pink. Are you salivating right now over the prospect of Monkey Brain hardcovers on your shelf? I am. I can't wait to pre-order them from Amazon to save. Follow-up question. Did your mortgage company cancel your mortgage when they saw this news? <laughs> Man, you're feeling out? it tonight, right, Jonesy? You're just ready to dish it out. <laughs> snappy. Snappy. Sass. Savvy and snappy and sassy. I think I actually probably think that the bank associated with Dale's home follows his Twitter account. And they keep a, <laughs> they keep a, a, a handwritten log of the hardcovers he purchases. <laughs> That's right. That's they ever have to use it against collateral for collateral collateral <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying thanks for being here Jonesy uh, we'll see you next week <laughs> see you guys later uh, yeah that's cool that they're doing I think that's been their plan the whole time for Monkey Brain to be digital first yeah. and do their own digital thing and then eventually expand into print I think it's cool how yeah. they're just going straight for the hardcover collections too and not just you know packaging six issues of Edison Rex at a time and, and I mean it would be cool if they put it out in uh, floppies too but just go right for the hardcover, babe. I mean, is it a hardcover? Is that fact? Yeah. Or are you making that up right now? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be well. It's going to be nineteen ninety nine, hundred and twenty pages. Oh my! Better be hardcover. If it isn't hardcover, I do apologize. It would be in trade paperback form, in a bound up volume for twenty dollars. Matt, uh, Mark Farrington, what was the last hardcover you bought? Wow, it's been so long. Last hardcover I bought was the 52 Omnibus, the one that was written by Grant Morrison, Mark Wade, Rucka, and Jeff Johns. Oh, yeah. Over Christmas. Mm-hmm. 
so beautiful. Hmm. How is that? Can you hmm. open that up and read it? No. I can open up and read it, but I can't put it on my bookshelf or it'll snap. <laughs> so, but like, <laughs> so it's sitting on the ground next but to the, my bookshelf. It's actually it's a, it's actually a load bearing hardcover at his <laughs> at his house yeah. right now. It could be a weapon if thrown at your head. Hmm. Something to think about when you're getting those hardcovers, you know, whether they're legal in your state. But uh, we're running out of time. We're running out of tape. We need to get into uh, the books we read this week. More importantly, mine, uh, new digital release this week uh, from the halls of Pathmark in Pennsylvania. Wow. The Executioner's Song crossover that really just solidified my love of comics. That is not a light reading. Twelve, I do believe 12 parts across Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, X-Force, and X-Factor. This was the one that came with the polybag trading card that uh, scared me as a youth because I just destroyed any kind of collectability because I wanted to get the card so bad. Yeah. And uh, so this is the one that opens up with Cable on the cover standing over Professor X. He shot him at a Lila Shetty concert, you know, to to <laughs> solidify <laughs> mutant human relations. So she's got this concert, and she's like, you know, come on, Professor X, come out on stage and give your speech. And uh, the mutie Haiti <laughs> haters really just didn't take to him very well. Um, and Cable came out and shot him right F-O-H. in the face. Cable. So yeah, Cable. Cable. Quote, air quotes. And what I didn't realize at the time was the artist for the uncanny issues is Brandon Peterson, the guy that's going that's done like recent Avengers issues, and he's going to be doing the second half or some of the second half of Age of Ultron. And uh, I didn't realize that was the same guy because his art now is like very CGI ish, and I don't like it that much. But uh. It was '90s ish back then. I've seen his uh, name uh, recently too. That Bendis is always tweeting about him. He's like always, mm. you know, slobbing it up, slobbering it up. Um, but I uh, so this was Strife was the main villain, and he's a clone of Cable. Um, he's Strife was a Lee Field created character in New Mutants. Actually, I looked up the wiki for Strife while I was reading, and it, it the issue he debuted in was in the app, so I downloaded it, and it's like this insane Rob Liefeld full body shot of Strife and good lord what a design from Rob Liefeld uh, also notable in this run is Greg Capullo was doing art on X-Force at the time wow yeah it was, it was a big nostalgia because a lot of the stuff you know was is pertinent these days um Fabian Nizia was writing Scott Lobdell. Those guys were making sick cash back then. These books were selling so good. Wow. But uh, yeah, I reread it and pretty much all in one night. Nostalgia Factor was great. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much all in one uh, night. I mean, once I saw that they were available, I just snatched those puppies up. Great book. Great book. You know? Did anybody else buy anything from Pathmark when they were younger? Actually, we share a comic book origin story. I don't know if it was Pathmark. But my first comic, uh, my father bought me off of a spinner rack in a grocery store. It was a Black Kiss. Spite, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, what a weird, different relationship I would have had with my father if that were the case. Uh, no, it was a Amazing Spider-Man, and it was a black cloth costume issue. Hmm. I can just remember the cover where he's swinging towards a uh, 
trolley car that's falling off the uh, track. Of course. Classic. Absolutely. Lady. I'm going to have to peruse the uh, covers until I find it. Oh, also, which is related to a letter we got, but Jay Lee was doing the art for X Factor at the time. Wow. Really? Yeah. And I remember his art there. He was... I, I actually love his art uh, in this run, but I think at Fiendsta, you know, um, Twitter bully, he mentioned way back that he was a... <laughs> Jo, uh, Joe Quesada ripoff. Like his art really was very Quesada ish. I can't believe you read that book in one night because if you were to flip through it, you could easily believe that they were paid by the word back then. That book is not light. Oh, Andy Kubert was doing X Men at the time too. Every like so early in these guys' careers. Wow, yeah. I mean, to me anyway. Classic, <clears throat> classic stuff uh archangel beheaded some guy in one issue it was amazing yeah that'll happen by accident too yeah he says by accident but he was just he was bonering it up over there with his wings was that a archangel's sword carrying days or was that later on no he never carried a sword dog oh yes he did dog remember when uh nightcrawler was part of the uh, family of demons that might have been you know we don't we don't like to talk about that era of of uncanny x-men i don't think but he had a healing factor remember that stop it that garbage we don't want we don't want to talk about it it's bad bad stuff uh let's just let's just shut off our garage bands and walk away dale underscore you're a family man and you you have the time to read a lot of comics during the week i know i i poop mostly i poop a lot more (laughs) (laughs) what did you read this week guardians of the galaxy issue 0.1 oh god are you guys up on this like i am because I just moved the mic stand with my moving stick uh, because I'm thinking about this issue right now. Uh, I loved it. I want to hear your thoughts on it, but I loved it. I'm just going to put that Brian Michael Bendis is just king of the world right now. And this tells the story. It's a point one issue. So this tells the origin story of Star-Lord. Star-Lord's mother um, uh, winds up betting an alien being. He looks like a man, so it's probably all right. And uh, he crash lands in front of her house. Ship is in major disrepair, disrepair, has to spend time with her. And uh, he ends up sliding up in the earther. And uh, the Star Lord is born. 20 years later, um, the, uh, I forget what his name is, the father, he takes off when a ship is repaired and leaves his seed in Star Lord mom's belly. And uh, Star-Lord's kid, he's 10 years old at the time, and he's going to school. He's standing up for himself. He's very, uh, very matter-of-fact. He takes no guff. He's like his mom and his dad. He doesn't have a very high opinion of his dad. His mom told him about his father, and he doesn't want to hear anything of it because he's not around. Uh, Aliens show up. Spoilers. Shoot the mother in the back. Rest in peace. And uh, destroy the house and uh, assumedly him with it because they want to end the bloodline because his father is a uh, in, in some royal bloodline in outer space. Uh, Star-Lord finds his father's gun that he left and last page turns out he's telling this whole story to Tony Stark. Boom. He's like, I don't know if I, w- if I went on too long about it. I don't know if that's what you wanted to hear. And Tony's like, no. This is perfect. Uh, welcome to the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it just felt right. The dialogue 
Bendis is just on it. Again, the dialogue he writes is so natural and so funny and so amazing between fa- um, mother and son. I, I was really upset to see, you know, mom take it in the end there. And I don't know. It's just, uh, was it McNevin? McNevin? McNevin in all his glory. Gorgeous. He's back. The colors, amazing. And I, I'm really excited to see where this uh, story goes. I've I've always been leery of Marvel Galaxy kind of stuff because Marvel Cosmos, junk. Yeah, junk. exactly. Because I just I can't. Sometimes I feel like I can't wrap my head around it. But this is like the point, the jumping on point. It's amazing. I don't know why it wasn't just issue one. I mean, it would have been a great first issue. Too. I think so too. It'd it, be point It doesn't one. need to have. It doesn't have to feature like the whole team to fe- to be a whole issue one. I mean, I think this was mm-hmm. this was fine, but call it point one, call it point point win, call it point four dollars to the comic book shop from my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, other thing, I, I I loved the. I mean, I well in the in the work office there was some talk that they didn't understand what they were drinking at the end. Was it like co- uh, like a Coca Cola product placement, Pepsi? I th- I called it space milk. Whatever they were drinking at the end. But to me, this feels like the ideal comic for anyone coming out of the Avengers movie because there's some other people didn't get it. I mean, I mean it might not be something to get, but the very end they talked to Tony Stark and. It's really like the reason his story is Tony Stark deciding to join the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he he like said something along the lines of you know him wanting to do anything whatever it takes to prevent aliens from coming to Earth, mm-hmm. and it it for me it tied in with his character in the Avengers movie, you know like he ended up pretty much destroying like some kind of genocidal act to get aliens away from our planet right. and now he's signing up to make sure it never happens again like i think that's like this the smallest tie-in maybe accidental or subliminal tie-in you can get to the movies without being overtly a tie-in yeah but it it, it, it is just so it fits so well you're absolutely and, and after i read it and i associated your tweet with it it was it's a perfect match and i mean it 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 works like you can you you know Tony's passionate about Earth. He 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 went into outer space knowing he may very well not come back to to set that nuke off in the uh, the spaceship in the movie I'm talking about. So it's only mm-hmm. it's it makes perfect sense that he would join the Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, I like I like that amazing Star Lord yeah. as uh, grown up he looks like a total badass. He mm-hmm. just fits mm-hmm. the bill. I mean he's got movie property written all over him already. And the gun, it's like Brad Pitt. The super, the gun is just like designed to be a movie prop. I thought it was weird if this is going to be in like the Cosmos line. It's like the Marvel Knights line for cosmic stuff. But uh, the Sam Alexander character also has like a missing father and daddy issues. I thought it was weird that the first two books in the cosmic line both have guys that really just don't like their father Mm. i don't know maybe that was kind of a accidental thing or maybe it was on purpose i just thought it was weird but we'll see you know um mark farrington you are a gorgeous man (laughs) can i just be honest with you right now keep doing it we're doing this while being recorded i will never hear the end of this you are the wind beneath my podcast wings Stop it. And, Stop it right now, you. Uh, if you could tell us what you read this week, I would love it, please. 
I went back to an old favorite. I went to Batman Inc. number eight. Oh, gosh. That one. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I, I had to. I had to read it. So anybody who doesn't want to hear it, anybody who wants to stay away from the spoilers, <laughs> skip this. <laughs> Let's get it ready, Mark. Let's uh, get it ready. Were there any black people in this show? Yeah, Lou Rawls. And the cop. Yeah, he was in the it. The bicycle cop that turned into the like, private detective. The one that they made ride on the little sand buggy with his shirt on. That's racist, actually. You can't say sand buggy mm-hmm. like that, Mark. Yeah. You'll probably get some offline feedback for that. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody could tell me what it is, because brother ain't got no Twitter. But anyway, I read Batman Inc. number eight. And to those who haven't heard, it was Robin's Last Stand. This issue opens in the middle of a firefight. Batman is caught in an elaborate death trap sprung on him by Talia. Leviathan is on the rise. People are running in the streets, panic. Heroes are bloodied. (laughs) They're scared. They're disorganized. Nightwing is fighting in the streets with Commissioner Gordon trying to stem back the chaos. And in from out of nowhere swoops Damian Wayne Robin. He single-handedly manages to stem the crowd, and they charge Wayne Enterprises in an attempt to free Bruce. I love this book. I love this issue. I loved every single panel. There was, this book was Damien's send-off, and instead of having his last moments be with his father, Grant Morrison chose to team Dick and Damien back up. I loved it. There's a great panel in there where they're just sitting there. It's the Butch Cassidy and Butch and Sundance moment where they're about to charge into the firefight and they're just looking at each other going, this is our last chance to prevent catastrophe. I don't think we can take them. Do you think we can take them? And Dick goes, when can we be stopped? We were good. Damien looks at him, gives him that little nod of respect and says, you know, you've always been my favorite partner. They go running into the chaos. They look at each other. Dick says, why don't we do this more often? Damien replies, I'm saying. And they have one last hurrah. Damien comes across his clone. And unfortunately, he doesn't walk away from the battle. Mm-mm. He is carried like a corpse. He fought it out tooth and nail. This is one of the first times in my comic reading experience where I've ever witnessed the entire life cycle of a major character. I've read when he was introduced. I grew along with them. I watched Damien grow and change, and then I watched him get shuffled off that mortal coil. It was kind of weird. Mortal coil. As an old school Bat fan, I didn't like Damien. I thought he was what? a usurper. He was a punk. He took Tim's role. But then at the end of issue eight, I'm thinking, how are you going to kill Damien? I love that kid. Hmm. I thought the, I, I mean, I don't know. I do, of course, I don't read any of the other Batman Inc. books, but I read this one just like John Q. Public is going to do. I don't know. I just felt like Damien's killing was just felt rushed. And I know they're probably so they're going to have Mourn books uh, with Nightmare Mouth variants in the coming months. (laughs) But I don't know. Like, I don't know. It just felt rushed. Like, poor kid. It, It wasn't emotional enough for me. It was fast. And maybe that's... Maybe I'll feel that way differently when I look back or try to read it again even next week. But right now, I'm kind of like sore on it. I do like that. And it was mostly because of that one page where it was like an expose where he was just, he like went out like Boromir and just got shot with arrows. And 
and blood gushing from his mouth and stuff. But that was a total like, is this is this how he's going to die? I was like, is this is this page his death page? And luckily it wasn't because there was more pages after. But I was I was just like, no, you can't kill him with in little squares like that. And you know, I don't know. Dale, I bet when Bruce goes back to that bat cave and he looks at Bat Cow and he doesn't see Damien, you're going to lose mm-hmm. it. Because I will. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I am sad that he is gone. You know, he was he was cool. I loved I loved him from. I mean, Grant Morrison. I I don't really stand that much, but his Batman stuff is gold. Jonesy, you haven't said anything in about thirty minutes, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I'm just trying to give you know the fans a little service by taking my voice out of the equation. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think what's going to be better is the Damien return story. You know, he is an Al Ghul. He does have access to Lazarus pits. I mean, he's not going to stay dead forever. So it'll be interesting to take all this time he's been with the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight family and then possibly him come back insane or made mad by the Lazarus pit and he knows everybody's secrets. So that'll be a fun, I'm sure, event that'll happen either later this year or early next year. I actually can't wait for that. Best Easter egg of 2013. When Nightwing and Robin are running into the smoke screen to fight a gaggle full of guys, and then in the smoke it had the old word effects from the Batman sixties TV show. Mm. Bow Biff yeah, Pow. That was cool. That was cool. I eldo eld. Rom Yunless. Uh Jonesy Loves Beer, what did you read this week and can I guess it? Yeah, you can guess it. Um was it Uncanny Skull Kickers number one? It was. <laughs> I I was either gonna talk about this. Or five weapons. I want to hear what Uncanny Skull Kickers is about because I'm still bewildered by the numbering and then renaming. Well, this this just picks up where Skull Kickers left off. Uh, Baldy, who has now changed his name officially to Rex in the uh, in the lore, uh, crashes on a desert island with uh, the Elven Maiden mercenary from the previous arc, Kuja. Uh, I think her name is. And um, they are basically fighting for survival on this desert island. Um, they, you know, have supplies from the ship that watches up. They try to make shelter. Uh, eventually, through the story, uh, they find a stone monolith that has a picture of the demon that actually brought Rex from our world, Earth, over to this Skullkicker universe. And then as they discover that, they're surrounded by these apes with big unicorns, uh, unicorn horns on them, and it says to be continued. But the real star of this book is the B-plot that follows Shorty. Shorty, of course, was on the boat, and you're told in the first page that he fell off the boat and drowned. He's dead. So what they do to follow his story is at the bottom of each page, one panel is the same panel over and over again, which is just him (laughs) floating dead in the water. And then occasionally, like, by page 10, like, a jellyfish a jellyfish will float by or, you know, like, uh, a, a seaweed will come and hit him in the face and then, like, keep going. And that's the whole B story. It's on the, uh, the bottom of every page. It is so understated and absolutely hysterical. I found myself having to b- read the book twice because I absolutely ignored the dialogue on the page so I could laugh at uh, Baldy, or I'm sorry, Shorty being drowned at the bottom of each page. It was a masterstroke by Jim Zub. Just a hilarious issue. And 
it's one of those jumping on issues where you just kind of know what the book's about because of that obvious but understated joke of have a character dead on each page for yeah whatever it was 22 pages it's skull kickers i hope gets revitalized in a big way and a lot more people jump onto the title Hmm. To cl- and to clear up any super confusion, it is actually Skull Kickers issue 19. Uh, I don't think there will be an Uncanny Skull Kickers number two. It, no, I don't um, think so either. Aren't they doing Savage Skull Kickers, or was that a bit? Yeah, I think it will be Savage Skull Kickers 1, and that will be Yeah, exactly. One. And uh, I, I read earlier today that um, Uncanny Skull Kickers were, were like huge pre-orders, and Savage Skull Kickers did, e- did even better, so... When you see that next month, that's that's cool. That yeah, that was, that's like marketing payoff right there. Um, do they renumber the bottom of the issue, kind of like Dark Horse books, like on the inside first page? Yeah, I, I took a look, and it's st- and in parentheses it says Skull Kickers number nineteen. It doesn't uh, say okay. like uh, you know issue one in an issue of nineteen total. It just says um, Uncanny Skull Kickers number one in parentheses. It says Skull Kickers number nineteen. I can confirm because they did it. make yeah. an issue nineteen too. It was I saw it at the comic book shop, and it was right alongside. <laughs> <laughs> We're running out of time. Uh, <laughs> Don Garvey's uh, Wheeze from the Bowels of Hell uh, is, is telling us we need the lightning round. Two sentences or less. Another book we read before we get into the book club. Uh, Strike Force Moratory. All available issues on Comicsology at the moment. You need to read this book at all costs right now or you are a turd. Greg Rucka's Punisher number one. You need to read this book at all costs. I can't believe I haven't read a Punisher book before this one. FF number four. Marvel's most underrated and highest quality book. Read it and read it now. Rebuttal to Dale. Rebuttal to Dale's. Later on. Rebuttal. Five Write weapons. Write it down so you forget later. Issue one. If you want to read a book that's similar in theme to Morning Glories, but actually understand and enjoy it, go pick up Five Weapons. Issue one. Next Wave by Warren Ellis and Stuart Immonen from Marvel Comics. Uh, Jonesy Loves Beer, please indulge us. You know, for those that have never read it, nor plan to. What's what's Next Wave? Agents of Hate? Next Wave, Agents of Hate, is a parody-esque book set in the Marvel U, uh, and it gathers together a list of B-list heroes. Uh, For instance, uh, Boom Boom Tabitha from uh, X-Force is the leader. And uh, who else is on this team? Uh, The Robot, Mr. Robot. Machine Man. (laughs) Machine Man. X-51. I don't don't know who the H these people are. Yeah, Mr. Robot works, I think. However. Captain Marvel. They come together. Well, she's not Captain Marvel. She's Photon, right? Yeah, I mean, she, was she former Captain Marvel. Former Avenger, former actually. Uh, before I continue, my favorite panel in the book is her uh, flashback to her time in the Avengers. Mm. You remember what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. Spoiled so anyhow, uh, <laughs> I did. I did spoil it. So this team, 
uh, under the uh, the lead of Photon, steals a highly experimental ship, uh, much like um, Jenny Sparks in um, The Authority, but much, much better storytelling. And they proceed to fight against this corporation who is secretly a terrorist shell. And they get into like weird zany adventures because they're tracking uh, unusual weapons of mass destruction. I'm sorry, they call it bizarre weapons of mass destruction. So it's items in the Marvel U that are off a little bit, and it's their job to go stop them or rein them in. It's wonderfully written because it does not take itself seriously at all. It's set in the Marvel U, but I'm I'm sure, and Dale will have to back me up, this is not in continuity. It's just a fun little offshoot, a fun story. And the art by uh, Stuart Eminen reminds me exactly of the fourth issue of Secret Identity, where it's like a little blockier, heavier lines. Uh, there's a lot of geometrical shapes in the characters. And I don't know how to finish the synopsis of this book, except to tell you that it's nothing like what's out there. It's totally unique. It's a team book. Yeah, it's got all the trappings of the traditional comic book, but it blends parody and serious storytelling in such a way that each issue you have no idea what's going to happen from one page to the next. And I really enjoyed that because I feel like as a as a comic fan who's been reading for a long time, you get a sense of you can turn a page and kind of guess what's going to come next. No clue in Next Wave. It was it was such a treasure. And so new to read in such a new form of adventure and superhero comics. I loved every page. It feels like the Hawkeye of its day, where it was unlike anything else that was being published. And it probably had a super cult following. It just wasn't enough to continue the book. Yet, Which is a shame. Exactly. Like, it's, this is a book that you would want to root for so hard. And, you know, if you would only known at the time, you could have bought your issue and helped, you know, tag, you know, get the book on life support for another month or two. Um, mm-hmm. I, it, but what Jonesy said on it, on his closing, that's exactly what the book is. You, you just have to read it to believe what you're reading. I love that. Uh, I love Warren Ellis, obviously, and his zany use of far out technology in, in the book. And I love how it's a team book and it's basically just the team busting each other's balls the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they work together to get a job done, set against the backdrop of the uh, the hate organization, high anti-terrorism something. Um, <laughs> and they are their former employers who are are just a, like a, sl- a shell company for terrorists and uh, armor. They're armoring the hate organization. And I, I just loved every second of this book. And the the interaction between the players, I loved how Warren was able to take this stable of characters that you would really know or care nothing about, and just make them comedy routines. I mean, I mean they kick ass, I guess, but it's not about the fight scenes or anything like that. It's just about enjoying the heck out of this book. It sh- totally feels unique, and it's a shame that. There, I mean, there is 12 issues, so treasure it for all of its worth. Uh, I can't wait to read the next six issues in six years when I get time. <laughs> when we do f- volume two for Paper Keg, that's the only time I'll so get to depressing. read it. 
uh, Mark, Marcus Aurelius, I'm, I needed to hear your thoughts. I've, I, all, all I could think about was you. you. I want to know what the hell Warren Ellis' problem is with HR people. <laughs> I find them to be a pleasant bunch. <laughs> That's true. He did uh, totally pinpoint HR people as the mindless drones who m- make things unfun. Not once, not twice, not thrice, but th- repeatedly throughout the book. I want to know what HR person wronged him in his life. That being said, reading a Warren Ellis book, I didn't expect to laugh as much as I did. That was an honest-to-God shock. Issue number three, I think, encapsulates everything that we said about this book so far. Um, It opened up with the elderly cop who's getting ready to retire, and he's walking his beat for the last week. And you learn at each stop he makes and every dealing he has with people that he's crooked. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a deep psychological story. And then halfway through, he gets bitten by an alien, and the story goes completely 180. Mm. But it was still entertaining. I enjoyed it. I That was my favorite issue of the whole volume uh, with the officer. Because it does start off as just, sh- like, played straight drama where this cop is, you know, one week from retirement. Mm-hmm. He, he's absolutely crooked. He's He's slapping prostitutes and taking money from drug dealers. Like, this is a bad yeah. dude. And uh, it, then it switch it switches comedically to like a parody of like Japanese superhero stuff, and the guy becomes like a large robotic monster attacking the city. And, and like just two issues ago, Fin Fan Foom did the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And like you have to laugh out loud because it's so it's played so openly as a comedy, but the first five pages with the police officer just total deadpan yeah like heart-wrenching stuff like there i can't say it enough there's nothing like this book he was a out complete dirtbag that guy and then and then yeah. it, and then the comedy portion of it it's just like when he gets his a kicked by the next wave team and he's there he's got he's all bloodied up and they're just kicking the crap out of him because they hate cops like uh, machine man yeah. is kicking him he doesn't even know why he hates cops but he's just doing it because he can and then like the people that the cop treats like dirt, like the prostitutes and the drug dealer. They came up, and like Monica Rambeau was just like, "Okay, you're okay. We're gonna leave you here with these guys. Uh, they respect, you know, they've <laughs> learned to respect <laughs> cops because we have to go clean up our mess over here. So we're just gonna leave you here with the, them, and they'll be able to get you the help you need. <laughs> and you just see on their faces, they're ready to like just grind <laughs> this she's like, guy into into just total dirt. She's always like, you could. She's like, I've always said you yeah. could t- you could tell the, well, the level of community by the people coming out to help yeah. their police. Uh, my favorite, my second favorite part of this volume is the secret origin of uh, Machine Man, where he's like he gets picked to like um, travel the universe with these aliens, and finally they just had enough of them being a douche, and they're like, you are a piece of s. No, you, yeah. you right there. See so you walking away. This is exactly what we're talking about. And but he doesn't reveal that part. It's like it's. Uh, we were talking about that bit of storytelling. I think in a couple issues ago, but he's telling it one way, but the pictures show the the real story. Yeah, what's yeah, really it's, going it's just on? It's like these total. The aliens don't want anything to do with Machine Man anymore, and they're just like sending him back to Earth. He's like, anybody's telling the rest of his team. I spent a year with the Celestials, and this is how I'm treated here yeah. on Earth. They're yeah. gods. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the captain is really just a drunk, you know, Scottish teenager who the aliens couldn't find any of. Or where is it from? New York, yeah, Brooklyn. maybe? 
They couldn't find Brooklyn. anybody else in Brooklyn, so they're like, this looks like a fine human being. Let's give him the powers of uh, Superman. And he even references himself. He's like, part of my generic superpowers is I can you know, have telescopic vision. Warren Ellis. Machine Man had my favorite visual gag in this whole series in issue three. He's sitting in a pistol that's the end is curved and bent towards him like it's something out of Warner Brothers and Elmer Fudd is about to shoot himself playing Russian roulette in this 50 foot gun. I don't know why it cracked (laughs) me up so much. But I saw that and just burst out ha laughing at its ridiculousness. And then when the empty chamber clicks, he just says, I'm so alone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was hilarious. That, char- that this- character was really, I think, probably the best one. And I also loved, I mean, the Fing Fang Foom storyline with him running around in his underwear was amazing. And then the, the sad, hilarious scene where his heart is, like, ripped out. And is any and Fing Fang Foom was like crying that he has a broken heart. Oh yeah, that was I mean, like graphic. That, that entire thing was a yeah, that was pretty graphic. But uh, I, I mean, Eminem's art, I th- I think this is his best, like probably his best art. I mm-hmm. mean, Fear itself had some good stuff, and All New X Men is amazing right now. But the stylized art that he has in this one, especially when the female body is walking, yes, um, I mean, it's super stylized, and the fight scenes with. Um, the uh, not Boomer, the other female character. Yeah, the hunter, the huntress, or whatever. She was a hunter, yeah, monster something hunter. like that. Um, I mean, just gorgeous. Everything about this, like, I would love to see uh, an animated feature mm. of Stort Imminent's oh. designs mm-hmm. and just That's follow the, the thick we'll lines. Yeah. Um, I mean, even his stuff. Some of his like side projects or his sketches are just like. I I just wish he had more time to do something else, but I love the stuff that he's doing on all new X Men. I mean, I think his art is just phenomenal. I mean, especially in this book. The and the and you're right, the book is amazingly fun, and I it's just it's weird that the most entertaining books that Marvel can put out sometimes don't last very long, like like Next Wave, and it's it's just so bizarre that like this book, you know, didn't continue. Maybe it wasn't the sales issue maybe Warren Ellis didn't want to do it anymore who knows yeah but, yeah we don't know the whole story there um we can assume mm-hmm. all we want but it is a shame the, that you know it just kind of like it's going to get stereotyped that unless it's Marvel superhero you know straight superhero stuff it's not going to have a chance but then you look at Hawkeye today and it's doing good Daredevil I guess is is good mm-hmm. but that's more vanilla than this will ever be yeah the, uh, I will say that it there was a few scenes that fell into my my most hated of Jenny Spark syndrome that uh, Ellis perf- per, uh, perfected, where female male character does something badass and then says a witty line at the bottom of the page or the very next page. <laughs> I mean, there was literally there was like nine nine instances of the Jenny Spark syndrome in this book, where I mean maybe it's part of the of the vibe of the book where it's kind of jokey and funny and, but I mean, I, now that I noticed it uh, elsewhere in the authority and, and planetary, it's just, I can't not see it. I can't not have it jump out of my face anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially how he, she, he basically wrote her just to sound like exactly like Jenny Sparks. She used the word love, you know, love a yeah. lot. You, I mean, obviously we get it with she's English, but yeah, <laughs> The way it just it totally reminded me of Jenny Sparks. The way she spoke. Hate Jenny Sparks, by the way. <laughs> wasn't that your Wasn't that your pick? That one. Uh... Yeah, and I regret it to my dying day. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing it back. By up. the way, check the archives for that episode, guys. 
It's but I mean, everything—the cover styling of this book—I don't know who if Eminent had anything to do with that, but it it was like amalgam of uh, you know sketches and like it's this almost like ad campaign mm-hmm. kind of art artistic to it. And I don't know. It's just I loved that we got to read this book, and, and I love that it was two to three issue story arcs. I mean that just works, especially for the, I guess the time period is probably more, um, you know, six issue trades at that point, six issue arcs. Yeah, it's just this broke it up so much, and I, I just I mean everything I read of, of Warren Ellis, man, I just fall deeper and deeper in love with the man, and he's probably just the most unapproachable creator ever. Like he probably would, <laughs> he just looks. That yeah, way. exactly. He would probably want nothing to do with me if I walked up to his table. He would not make small talk. <laughs> I'd get total you like to bring him a Guinness. I, I think you just had to bring him like the the maltiest <laughs> beer or whatever you could get your hands on, and you guys would just be best friends. With the most violent of pictures, like with death, <laughs> sexy sex ladies, sex and death in the same picture. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd get total like Clevengered. I'd get Clevengered at his tell table. Tell him <laughs> Tell him you just love his Instagram likes. I think that's a good opening line <laughs> for any for any kind of creator or personality. I follow you on Instagram. Remember when we went to that party at New York Comic Con, and I think I said that to Dreamy Eyed, and it was it just like blurt. It came out of my mouth, and I was like, "Hey, I follow you on Instagram." Oh, yeah. And I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> what am I doing?" <laughs> oh no, oh no. Uh, that was a good time. So, Mark, you enjoyed Next Wave. Can we get that official sound clip? I enjoyed Next Wave. Okay, sounds like there might have been a butt there, but you know, no, no butt. I was wondering who I'd recommend this to because I couldn't get the vibe of it. I think I would actually probably go to what Jonesy said. This is for somebody who's kind of bored with what's out there now mm-hmm. but knows comics in and out. So you'll read this and go, okay, those are the terrorists. They'll stop them. Mm. Or, okay, this is a dirty cop who's going to either get redeemed or he's going to get taken down hard at the end. So someone who's disillusioned with current comics but is a comic fan, I can only think of one person, uh, Twitter bully mm-hmm, Brad Heidmeyer yeah. at Feinsta. You better watch out. He's, I mean, Are you starting a new war in 2013? He's going to somehow find his way in hangout. He's, <laughs> he's going to come in here. It's like when you say you know, Beetlejuice's name yeah. uh, three times he appears, you say two people say they like a comic book, Brad Heidmeyer <laughs> appears to talk ass on that book and make you feel like the biggest dope on the planet. I mean, God forbid you mention all new X Men and his in on the internet, he will just like appear behind you in the mirror, like that movie, uh, you know, <laughs> Candyman. Candyman. Candy he is the comic book Candyman. With we're never getting another Brad Heimeyer cover, are we? <laughs> but if if, if uh, Candyman had Dan Slott esque Twitter filters set up for every book, for everything ever, to notify him that the 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 Dan Slott Twitter filter, I think, is a three hundred inch monitor with. 90 tweet deck filters running simultaneously (laughs) and he gets pinged whenever certain ones go off but we're running out of time we need to move on we got your letters i'm gonna open them up farrington's gonna read them to you you. letters at paperkeg.com we will read your name live on the era. Uh, letters at paperhack.com. Mark, did we get any letters? We got a couple letters this week, actually. Let's start off with one from Ad Dragonfro. 
Sup, homies. Just a couple quick things. First, how do you guys feel about Jay and Lee's art? Personally, I love it. What he does with contrast. Ugh. <laughs> That's from Dragon Fro. Okay, second thing. Slim, I want you to name five JMS books you actually like, and you can't name that surfer mini he did. Good luck. Catch you on the flip side, peeps. Hashtag, I got you, babe. Well, is this name five? That was Are we resurrecting name five uh-huh. right now? That was a name five. That hasn't been brought out. Anytime For like forty episodes. I, anytime I name I do a name five, uh, I don't think anyone has ever beaten it. I think uh I think you might not win this one, five JMS books you like. Stop giving him time, go. Oh my god, go. Um, Ener- oh, the energy in this room is just crackling. I enjoyed Rising Stars. Um I enjoyed the beginning of his Spider Man run. Hold on, are you you don't have like a computer monitor open. I right have a now. computer monitor in front of me. That's how I'm looking at you. <laughs> now, but are you like looking to the left where like no, list of no, I'm not doing that. Babe. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eyes to the front. Eyes to the front. I am looking. I'm looking right at you. All right. So how many do I have here? Two. Two. Have Rising two. Stars and Spider-Man. And um, a running clock. You've got a running clock. I like the twelve. Before it was delayed for three years. I liked. Supreme power, and I think that's the issue that I is in the back of my head mm. because I remember one superhero doing his wife from behind. Yeah, uh, yeah that if I can, if I can say that on the era. Um, JMS, JMS. That's four. That's four. So I need one more. What else the hell did he do? Um, before it ended, Brave and the Bold DC Comics. No, nobody liked his run. I loved I'm it. Calling- because you know who did the covers? You know who did the covers for that book? Who? 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 Pretty sure it was, I'm pretty sure it was George Perez. Wasn't it? No. Wade was doing them then. Wade doesn't draw? <laughs> Wade was writing those books. Brave and the Bold. Look it up. Look, I I don't know what's happening here, but Slim, you would have you would have not given <laughs> anybody else the amount of time you allotted yourself. I'm not rooting for you. I'm not I'm not t- t- hoping to see you fail. Oh I don't care. Somebody put this in the show the show notes that Slim finally got stumped. I didn't get stumped. I named five. Slim five. named five. All right, it's true. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, like an hour and a half. I, well, I I'm not I appreciate it. I'm not a. Ru- there was no timer. No, there was no timer set. I'm not rules so lawyering here. I'm just saying, <laughs> stating fact. Someone find out who drew his uh, Brave and the Bold run for DC Comics. You know please. what, Jonesy? Read the next letter, would you? I'm going to look this up myself. Thank you. All right, th- we are going off plan here. <laughs> All right. Jonesy's got your letters. Talking to that okay, mic. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> hey, guys. I believe I was witness to the greatest show ever. Next up, Cherry 2000. The movie starred Melanie Griffin as a sexy future robot See? thing, I See? believe. But thanks for another great show, even though now I have to go through all my non-approved Instagram pictures. Looking forward to the discussion on Next Wave, seeing as how I really liked it. Warren Ellis is one hell of a great writer, not including that which shall not be named. Name it. Anyway, have a good one, y'all. At ChrisG983. Hashtag Moist Quim. <laughs> oh, great line. Next letter comes for us uh, from Chris M. He was Banks. probably talking about Transmet, by the way. Amazing book. Check it out. That is That's not, what I'm thinking. I don't, actually, don't, I don't think so. 
<laughs> I have I have what, a one I have a little bit of power on this podcast. All right. <laughs> a little bit. You're the VP of every VP position. You you've got the power. You got VP the touch. Powerless. You got the touch. Nice. Nice. This one is addressed to Cray Cray PK. DC will be rolling out its next wave of books soon. And I was just wondering what character or teams would you like to see get their own books in the new 52? Any particular creative team on those books? Personally, I'd love to see a hard-boiled, street-level, elongated man, private eye series, and a booster gold, hard luck adventure ongoing. Oh, God. I know it's been done, but this is always one of my favorite questions. Be on the lookout for ground beef falling out windows because nobody likes a meteor shell. Chris M. thinks. Wow, God bless Chris M. thinks. New 52. Or was that two questions ago? I lost track. New, he wants to know creative team and what kind of book would you like to see? I would co-sign on that Elongated Man. That would be pretty cool. Jeff, and a Wally West story. Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire writing and drawing Superman. Shut it down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Shut it all down. Confirmed. I was right. JMS did write Brave and the Bull, but George Perez never did a cover while he was writing it. Booyah. <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel so good. Good one. Sorry, Dale. I was correct. Spent. I was correct in stating that George Perez did covers for Brave <laughs> oh and the Bold. Thank Dale, you. What Thank would you, you like to see? I I don't I don't think I care. New Fifty Two. You're a big, you're the biggest fan in the room of the current New Fifty Two. I don't think I care. I was going to say my lightning round was Aquaman Seventeen, which I read randomly. Um. <laughs> I could care less if I, if I knew anything. I know about the deep, the depths of the DC universe is from the fifty-two storyline. So I would probably just pluck something out of there. Uh, Maybe the question I enjoy, uh, or something from the Great Ten. I know they tried to release individual issues of the the Great Ten, featuring all the individual. Kami Chinese superheroes, but if they could do a great ten team book, that would be the most entertaining book ever. Were were any of those uh Kami Chinese uh trannies? <laughs> could you confirm can you comment on that? They probably no, I I mean I, maybe. They would have all they would, all the trannies in China would have probably been killed <laughs> by their own government. Dale underscore on the Twitter and you can email him at <laughs> Dale <laughs> Do we get any other letters? Who's reading the letters right now? We do, I, I haven't answered the question, though, because I haven't answered That's why I asked for the next letter. <laughs> blow your mind, Slim. You ready for right, this? I'm ready. Also, Jeff Lemire, because I love what he's doing in D.C. right Is now. Is there anybody else in and, D.C.? Nope. No, just That's Jeff a- Lemire and Jeff Johns. But I would love for him to do a well-written Shazam story set in the past. That would be my desire. Hmm. When you say past, like ancient like Egypt, distant, Silver Age, distant past, like go over the whole Black Adam stuff, and but make it better than it was. I'd read that book. See, there you go. All right, so this letter comes to Talking us from mic, Seth Breeds Love of the Ancillary Characters Podcast. Just call me terrible. I heard that <laughs> earphones are broken. <laughs> so love that you guys are going to blab about this book next week. I remember when it came out, and probably still today, it was like anything else. I always admired the fact that the book is as beautifully drawn as it is written. Warren Ellis wrote some of the most eminently quotable, hilarious lines 
And so much of the comedy comes across because of Stuart Eminen. So this got me thinking, why aren't there more books like Next Wave out there from the big two? These sort of atomic robo style books that are based I'm sorry, that are loaded with comedy and self aware of action. I mean the only other one that springs to mind from DC or Marvel is the Bwahaha era of Justice League. Anything else you guys can think of. Thanks for the great shows. Owen Jonesy is not my least favorite host. He reigns in my heart. Seth, you are wrong. I continue to be the least favorite <laughs> host. Please don't go against the mainstream. Jonesy pulling the reverse mental troll by agreeing that he's the <laughs> least favorite paper keg host. The The only other book I can think of from Marvel that was funny and jokey was Clevenger's uh, reimagining of the secret war. Was it this? Oh, no, Infinity Gauntlet. Remember when that came out, Dale? Do you remember that? Yeah, that was... Uh cut down wasn't it It was like ambitious and then it was nothing it well i think that was the beginning of like future work from yeah like that was supposed to be the beginning and then they were going to do their own captain america series Mm -hmm. and then that got the kibosh yep but i mean that book that infinity gauntlet book was pretty wacky and hilarious and super over the top but that was it i think i think i mean the big two those guys are just it's got, got definitely has something to do with continuity and they're uh, protecting their IP and they don't want to see their characters made into. I, I, I guess I mean I I can only assume that say it's got to be behind sales have to be behind it. I mean if it's well executed, Next Wave went on for twelve issues and uh, you know that was probably they just started figuring out that it was never selling to begin with. Uh, by issue 12. I mean, it's got to be what's the driving factor for something like that. I'm trying to think of what other... Superman Adventures, like, people that read, like, the creators consider that the best Superman book that's been written in, like, years, but that got canceled. Mm-hmm. Nobody that was, was a great was book. It. I loved it. Um, I think the only other one DC had, and it wasn't part... It wasn't on par with the Bwahaha era Justice League by Giffen, but... The late 90s, early 1000s run of Young Justice by Peter David and Todd Nock, that at least had the cartoony art and it had Peter David's kind of offbeat, wacky stories that every fifth or sixth issue he'd do a serious one. But even in that run, they didn't take themselves too seriously and would make those nudge, nudge, wink, wink jokes in front of the camera. Mm. But I agree with Dale's point. Ultimately, it boils down to sales. Mm -hmm. You hear creators say, if people buy it, we will publish it but then people fans say why don't you do this we do this and nobody buys it so it's a cyclical argument yeah i, th- I think maybe you could consider a plus x to be kind of in the vein i mean it's a fun book at least it's probably got a little more action but um so far in all these stories they've been kind of chuckle hutish at least i i, I really people, like, like comic x. fans Comic fans on well, I should say internet fans really didn't take to A plus X at all. Like they thought it was like, Why are you even making this? Why is this a book? Why why is this coming out now? Like they didn't care if it was good or not. They weren't reading it, they just wanted to yell yeah, about it. Yeah, they just wanted to complain that really? they would have to spend money on it, but they weren't buying it anyway. Is yeah, it is it gone? Reading it, was it cancelled? I think there's like one well, it was only like a six issue mini, I think. There, I, maybe there's one issue left or it's done. Oh, I didn't know it was a six issue. I thought it was so an ongoing. I didn't I didn't think so. I mean I could be incorrect on this. Uh, but I doubt it. Because hmm. I'm never incorrect. Hmm. <laughs> Rewind the tape, guys. 
George uh, Perez. I was correct on both counts. But what a show we had. Do we have any other letters? I should ask that before I said that. No, that was pretty much it. Jonesy did an excellent job reading while I was motivated by spite. Terrible job. Didn't even speak to the mic. Do not send letters to tell him how good he is. They will not be read on there. Those will, those those and can have, I have filter set up so that it says I like Jonesy or Jonesy is good. They they automatically are, are marked as read and deleted. Right to the spam filter. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get Brad's angry email next week. You're you, you're hate, lucky you're Brad. not on Twitter. Bring the hate. Yeah, you don't have to deal with any of that stuff. Well, technically he is on Twitter. He just That's doesn't true. know it. Evidently, you can thank Brad Fien- Brad Feinsta for that. It's called <laughs> Brad Brad Feinsta. <laughs> Uh, what a show we had. Next Wave. Good show. Unanimous. Unanimous love. First one in a long time. Word. I'm telling you, the energy in this show was hot. Because you drank a lot of coffee hot before we got on the air. I can't wait for... Uh, I can't wait until this is released and I can tweet Warren Ellis and he could tweet out something about his gun machine book. <laughs> his gun <laughs> machine book. We'll see everybody next week. Partner. got an email from Ramsden and uh, went to the Jonesy filter. Oh, man. Sorry. Sorry, Ramsden. Oh, sorry, Ramsden. I saw it right before it got caught. Rebuttal. <laughs> rebuttal. Or did you have something to say, Jay? I'm, I'm jumping all over you. Uh, yeah, I forget what I was going to say. Fudge. Oh, I was going to say uh, no pan pipes this, this episode, so <laughs> kind of at a loss of what to do for the outro. N- Never say never. I mean, maybe we could have a second outro just for your panpipe needs. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> How about uh, you reading Punisher Greg Rucka? Let's talk about it. Yeah, I actually, from whenever we talked about it on the show and you you mentioned it, I had it in my downloaded books on Comixology because I wanted to read it, and it was I was flummoxed. I was it was so good. The art was amazing. And it was Chichetto. it was it was hyper violent, but it was just like um, it was great. I mean, Punisher didn't say a word in the whole book. It was it was Punisher was just there in a couple panels. I mean, it was like a it was a a cop drama, but at the hands of the like is because of the Punisher thing. I don't know. I I, I want to read the whole. I want to do a Punisher book for book club. Is what I want to do. I think we need to do Ruckus Punisher. I think we need. We to. might. I mean, let's do it. I w- in a perfect world, we would have time to do his entire volume, which I think is nineteen or mm. thirteen issues. Ooh. Let's have a because let's find out when Ruckus' so birthday amazing. is and do like Paper Cake Month, Punisher Month on Paper Cake. <laughs> Punisher Month. The, the so wait, did you read the first issue or the first trade? I read the first issue only. Okay, the first. I mean, the trade is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, slightly discounting the, because that tied into that, um, Daredevil avenging Punisher crossover with that hard disc. Oh yeah. I read that issue. 
which is kind of yeah, it's all right. I mean, looking back now, rereading things, it's kind of odd, I guess, because we're just not used to those kind of crossovers anymore. But um, his run is so spectacular; it's better than any other Punisher book I've read. Wow! And the war, including zone, Welcome Back, Frank. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I mean, they're they're stark, they're starkly different. The and when Warzone started, and I heard that he was leaving, I was super bummed, and I was even more bummed that Chet Chetow wasn't doing the art for the Warzone book. He was doing covers though, and they had a different artist. But his art totally grew on me. Uh, Stephen Wacker was tweeting about how much he loved the art, and I didn't get it. Like I didn't see it any at any point. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like the, the art change. But so I just read the final issue, and Warzone deals with um, the fallout of his his. Punisher volume run where now the Avengers realize that they have to do something about the Punisher because he's out of control. So the Avengers go after him and the ending has a line from the Punisher and an interaction with Captain America that made me do that like excited. If Greg Rucka was right next to me, I would have high fived him right in his, right in his hand so hard. Like I did that like invisible, like, yeah. (laughs) And there's a, that's the best moments in comics though. Really? It, it, they really are, but I mean, unbelievable. I'm so bummed that he's he's leaving and they decided to do something else with Punisher. I mean, the way it ends is totally uh, unrelated to how it's happening in, in Marvel now, like how that character is being handled, which is a bummer. You know, it's funny, that ending that they did in Warzone, that Captain America Punisher scene, mm-hmm. nobody ever really uses that angle. The only time I've ever seen it is in Civil War. Yeah, yeah, that's the only other time I can think of. And his entrance, his appearances in Civil War were awesome. Do you remember that huge splash page where he brings in Spidey? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That one was like invisible high five moment. Yeah, that was cool. I I just, I mean, how often do you see Steve McNiven drawing Punisher in a full splash page? Warzone was going to be one of the books I actually talked about instead of Batman Inc. number eight. And bottom line, it had no business being as good as it was. Didn't. It's Punisher versus the Avengers, and I read the solicit for that and said, okay, that's a joke. How are you going to drag that out five issues? Then by issue five, I'm thinking, man, why is this ending? Mm -hmm. I can't wait to uh, read that then, too. What? Read it all. Read it all. I want you to do it tonight. Why don't we we do it for book club next week? Let's do... Let's do it. Let's just do it. Do the uh, the first volume of Punisher, Greg Ruckus Punisher? Not episode ninety one. Uh, you know, looks like a skull if you turn it on its end. Perfect. Does it? Just make no. <laughs> but no, I still want to do the book club. All right, I could be down for that. When was the last time we did? A, well, we just did a Marvel book. Now that I think about it, but I mean, I'm I'm yeah, totally down. We've for never it. done a Punisher book. We have. Ever, we so. have never yeah. done it. I mean, the chances of Dale getting a retweet from Greg Rucka are pretty high. I'm not gonna lie oh, well, to you. And like, why didn't like we do it this time? One hundred four percent. Okay, so we're reading Punisher for 91. Have we hammered out what we're doing for 100 yet? Did I miss that tweet? Big plans. Yeah, Big plans. I don't know if you guys realize this. We're coming up on the 100th episode of Paper Keg. That's 100 Mm. episodes. I think Radio Free Echorifts has actually come up to their 300th episode. So right. it's not they as special. They just started recording in what? Uh, September? September. <laughs> They're already... <laughs> so well, we, have some, we have something... I'm the scat man. We have something cooking up for episode 100. We, we are going into 
possible giveaway territory. Whoa, mm, yeah. slim. I don't want to, you know, get everyone all riled up, but it's definitely <laughs> happening. <laughs> wow. Uh, They're going to be hot and bothered when they hear this. Episode 100, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if we're going to do a big book club. We might just kind of sit and look back on some moments. You know, not not a clip show. We might no. just sit back and, and, and maybe go down a list. I would encourage everyone to to scroll through the notes for all the old episodes, host included. Maybe maybe jot down some notes. And if the intern ever made that wiki for us, it'd probably be a whole lot easier. <laughs> but I'm not sure what happened to that that plan. Uh, so we'll see. You know, possible giveaway. You know, it could possible awesomeness. Really? Yeah. Yeah, definitely awesomeness. Um. Yeah, let's te- we're just gonna tease it out. You know. We're alone in the bedroom. We have a long night ahead. We're just going to tease it out. You know? We're a pleasure delayer. <laughs> we want to ex- ex- extends, uh, extends this is all, all night. Um, what, a, what a great song this is that Dale chose. Right? Uh, I, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. The Pan Pipes. Eric Burden and War. <laughs> if we go to karaoke one night, you should sing this. I was taken. You are right on time with that. <laughs> the hall of the mountain king. I stood high on the top. I'm making you the main cam right now. In front of every kind of girl. <laughs> I, re- I wish I really knew how to play pamphlets. Me too. <laughs> Bring the pamphlets for Slim's birthday. Free comic book day, pan pipes. Out of the middle, I'd be like a satyr. Came a lady. I saw my head. I swear, she was put in my ear. Something crazy. She said, 100 episodes. Still with us, listeners? Listen I to hope this. so. I think Mark's asleep. <clears throat> Mark's dead. How can I be dead by watching Dale play the pan pipes? <laughs> pan pipe the, air pa- the air pan pipes. <laughs> air pan pipes. Uh, so we yeah, 100 is coming up. We'll, we'll tease it. We'll marinate on it. It should be pretty awesome. It's not going to be your usual 100 episode extravaganza. You know? Yeah. Where we take the night off and, you know, they play. Phone it in. Right. The clip episode, right? The clip exactly. show. We're not going to do this, you know, the kind of old clip show, John. Um, we'll see. Yeah, but we got. We're going to plant the seed now. It's going to come fast, but uh, <laughs> we have a few weeks to to let it marinate, let it ferment, let it get it out to the listeners, get word out. Mm-hmm. Um, something big for for. Exclusive for the listeners of Paper Cake. You're going to like gonna, it. Yeah, gonna like it's going to come fast and it's going to be big, and you might not be ready for it. What's going to come towards but you? The seeds planted. Hermaphrodite, hermaphrodite demon. <laughs> <laughs> huh? uh, I hope not. Kami Chinese trannies. 
That's right. <laughs> so have we talked about our personal plans for uh, Free Comic Book Day? Like, can I suggest we all meet up for like a big hearty breakfast? I suggest I'm you talking to that it. microphone. Or I will kick you, you off this damn show so fast. <laughs> How far away is that microphone from your mouth where you it's, cannot right up talk into it? it. Slim. The, move move the, the first, first of all, A, move listen. the mic in front of the camera so you won't have to move your face out of frame about to talk that? into it. Brilliant. Listen, 75 episodes, you told me the mic was in my mouth. <laughs> well, now I'm not I mean, loud enough. At it. He's got, there's no place he's got this six, no He's got this six-inch pop filter. It looks like pantyhose over his face, <laughs> and he's going to hold up. <laughs> I love it. It, like, the, it takes up it. The whole fi- his whole face. <laughs> I love that I can rest... My face on the pop filter. Do that, please. And it's just welcoming. It's just like a little pillow. I'm telling you, at the end of the, when if I edit the show and I listen to your non vocals, huh. you you're banned from episode 91, my friend. <laughs> you're gonna have to sit in the kitchen while Mark sits on that couch and takes your place. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait a minute, Mark's gonna come over to my yes. home on my equipment, and I'm not gonna be allowed in my own basement. This is how you you're learn. gonna set it up for me too. And I, I'm gonna have to set up the equipment. <laughs> I kind of di- feel like that's what happens now anyway. You're going to so get I him Diet Cokes, however many Diet Cokes he wants. And you're going to rub his feet, too. <laughs> you're going to have to be, you're forced to rub his My base. hands aren't that big, Slim. I can't rub those things. Maybe make me a chicken pot pie. <laughs>